Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, March 16th, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serrata, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And writer Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. So it's only been a couple days since the last time we recorded a podcast, but it feels like it's been years. It might be because I'm stuck inside uh, my house. We're all, uh, what, self-distancing and, you know, practicing all the things that you're supposed to practice. I feel like when we talked on Friday, things seemed a little bit more hopeful. It felt like this this whole thing might be over in a couple weeks. And not that it's going to be over. I uh, that, that That is an oversimplification. I thought that maybe in a couple weeks our lives would be getting back uh, more back to normal. I should say. And now it's seeming more and more so that like it's going to be at least a couple months, if not more. So, uh, yeah. What did you guys do over the weekend? Ben, what, what were you? I mean, you didn't go to Hamilton. So what did you do, do instead? Instead, uh, Nothing. I mean, I just yeah <laughs> stayed inside. Um, we watched some stuff. Uh, it was, yeah, a very boring thing. I, I called my parents and sort of explained the severity of the situation to them because they hadn't been reading a lot of the same news sources and stuff that I'd been reading. So just trying to spread the word to friends and family about how serious this whole thing is, really. Chris, how have you been doing? Uh, I actually went to the liquor store over the weekend because <laughs> I got to have my liquor. And I actually learned a hard lesson. I went to the liquor store uh, I paid for my booze and I got in my car. I got halfway home when I realized my wallet is not in my pocket. I went back to the liquor store. I looked in the parking lot. I went into the store. I was like, oh, did wow. anyone turn in a wallet? And they were like, no. And I was like, holy shit. And I was, I, you know, uh, because I, I don't deal with things well, I was having like a panic attack. And I was like, oh, no. And my wife was like, calm down. Someone will comp- turn it in. And I was like, no, they won't. The world is cold and dark and no one cares but someone did turn it in and everything was still there even the the few dollars i had were there everything was fine so i i but i I feel like that was like the universe telling me like 
stay inside you idiot it's like <laughs> so i i learned my lesson i got my wallet back i i got my alcohol and i will be staying in for the foreseeable future but chris you were acting responsibly uh, alcohol kills all uh bacteria right that's right that's the only reason i was getting it to to fight off the virus um it, it's amazing that someone returned that even like in the middle of the apocalypse they, they i know i was like that's it that's the end of that wall and i'll never see that again but yes yeah, someone did the right thing and didn't even take stuff out of it i thought like at best someone would turn it in and like everything would be empty but no it was you know someone did the right thing so thank you anonymous stranger who did the right thing during the end of the world <laughs> wait so did you have to go back out and get your wallet I did. So, yeah, I had to go out multiple times because I went back to the liquor store once. They were like, we don't have it. So I left my phone number and uh, I went back home and then they called me not not too long after. So I had to go back out. So I went out basically like three times. Yeah, I, I, I think the most exciting thing I did this weekend is I walked my dogs. And it was funny because I live in a very walkable neighborhood of L.A. And I, I often see people walking their dogs, but it seemed like there was an unusual amount of of people walking their dogs like people had like shut themselves in for the the weekend and like we we're like i need to get out and like people just people walking their dogs talking to other people as they encountered them on the sidewalk <laughs> but um uh i you know a lot of news has hit since the last time we talked to you i it, almost everything is shut down i think at this point we almost have to treat it like if you are a film production and you have not shut down, that's more newsworthy than if you have shut down, right? <laughs> like the Matrix is shut down. Uh, almost, I mean, everything. Everything is shut down, basically. And, uh, e uh, you know, more things have shut down. Uh, but uh, people were, some people were still going to the movie theater this weekend. Uh, Chris, how did the films that were in the theaters this weekend do because of uh, all the coronavirus like scares uh not good uh, in fact they did terribly this is the worst box office weekend in in 20 years actually 22 years so <laughs> things are not going so well for for movie theaters and uh you know it, it's it's it was probably bound to be expected but it's still you know gonna be a problem and it's only gonna get worse because after this weekend there are no this week we just came out of there are no big releases until april and even that is now up for gra the next big release was going to be the trolls world tour movie but as we'll get to in a minute even that has a a caveat attached to it so i i don't know when the box office is going to rebound but you know the, the the two big movies that came out this weekend were uh, Bloodshot with Vin Diesel and The Hunt, which is that controversial Blumhouse movie. And, you know, Blumhouse movies, they're made for so little money that they tend to do well. But even this, uh, this was made, The Hunt was made for $14 million. It only took in $5 million. And then Bloodshot took in around $9 million and it cost $45 million to make. So that <laughs> that's a huge loss for that. And like I said, it's not going to get any better because, you know, not only are theaters, you know, limiting audiences, some theaters like, you know, in New York and Los Angeles and New Jersey and yeah. beyond are, are just flat out shutting down. So yeah. it's not, you know, it's not a good time to have a new release right now. 
I think we should have went with the headline, you know, worst box office weekend in decades. People really don't want to see Vin Diesel's new film. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's hard to tell like how well that movie would have done if we weren't in the middle of a yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. apocalypse because <laughs> I don't think I don't think there was much excitement for Bloodshot to begin with. So, uh maybe Maybe in some ways this is a mixed blessing because the people who made Bloodshot can just be like, oh, it's the virus's fault. The movie's fine. It's the virus that made the movie bad. Yeah. As you mentioned, movie theaters across the country and especially in the big cities are closing down. Uh, ben, what do we know? Yeah. So in Los Angeles and New York City, um, theater basically the, the mayors of both of those cities have ordered that movie theaters – uh, shut down. And that's, um, that's a, a big deal. I mean, last week, it was like AMC was limiting their uh, auditorium capacity to about 50% AMC, of course, being the, the biggest theater chain in the United States, um, was limiting their their auditorium capacity to about 50%. And but it, it seemed like they were sort of desperately trying to hang on and still remain open. But now the mayors of New York City and, and L.A. have said, no, all movie theaters are shutting down to, uh, you know, hopefully stem the spread of this disease. Um, I, I think it's probably they're probably not going to be the only big cities where theaters start closing. But um, New York is closing like restaurants, nightclubs, uh, concert venues, all that kind of stuff starting on Tuesday. Um, restaurants are going to be like doing takeout only um, in L.A. bars, nightclubs, gyms, all that kind of stuff are going to be closed at least until March 31st. So, um, you know, grocery stores and pharmacies and, th and things like that are going to be open. But, um, yeah, I'm sure everybody is, is familiar with this because it's probably happening all over the country, <laughs> not just in the big cities right now. Yeah. In L.A., you said restaurants. They are staying open for like takeout and delivery orders mm -hmm. for now, which worries me because I do a lot of like ordering out. Uh, we, we do have like a home like a um, like home chef where we like make uh, some meals that are delivered every week. But I, I do a lot of ordering out, which is also like worrisome because someone could be coming. It, it could be not only the people making the food could be unsanitary in some way i guess that's the case anytime you order food but the people delivering it could be you know have this virus uh right. so yeah so there's even some worry there so like i'm wondering how long is it going to be until those services get shut down because i mean i don't know uh but okay so movie theaters are shut down you know alamo draft house uh in new york they shut down their theaters i tweeted about this on the slash film account because i was getting so many so much, so many people that work for the Elmo Draft House in New York were contacting us, uh, complaining about this because Draft House basically is not paying their employees for the next two weeks while they're shut down. They're probably gonna be shut down longer than that. Um, and uh, at the end of the month, their their health care is is ending, and uh, they will be paying for Cobra for the next month. After that, they'll be pay co-paying for Cobra. But, like, how are these employees to pay for this? I don't know. I, I think this is going to be a problem that we're going to be seeing all over the place. I'm not, not trying to just, like, point fingers at the Elmo Draft House because a, a lot of businesses are not going to be making money. And it's like, how do you pay the employees? It, it's mm -hmm. a very, very tough situation to be in. And um, anyways, uh, you mentioned AMC Theaters, Ben. And last week they did limit how many people could book uh, tickets to a theater it was like a 50 percent capacity which how does that even work out like do they do they put like automatically put like seats in between the available seats 
that are not available so that there's some spacing or I didn't even look at my AMC. As, as far as I could tell, they weren't doing that. It was just they were like putting a cap on lit like the actual number of people that could purchase thing. I, I don't think they were actually like enforcing spacing between yeah. uh, seats in the auditorium. So I guess some insane group of people could have purchased <laughs> seats and then sat right next to each other like a bunch of weirdos. But um <laughs> I guess that could have happened. Well, now AMC Theaters is lim uh, taking the limiting to a new level. Chris, tell us about it. Yeah, so AMC Theaters are now capping uh, attendance at 50 people. Not 50%, but literally 50 people per screening. Uh, so, <laughs> and that's, you know, again, in the places where theaters are still open, there are places their theaters aren't even open at all. But if you're, uh, I guess, lucky enough to have a theater still open near you, uh, you'll, you'll need to be paying attention to how many people have bought tickets so far because, uh, the, they're locking it out at, at 50, uh, people. And this news also comes on the heels that AMC is possibly, in a lot of trouble that where they're going to have to um, uh, sell off some stuff just because of, you know, they're, they're losing money here and it could just get worse as time goes on. Yeah. Everything's yeah. bad. That's, the, that's the, the gist of this episode. Everything is bad right now. Yeah. Um, but at least people can go to the movie theaters and the 50 people can sit side by side in the theater together. Like weirdos, <laughs> as, as Ben said, um, but you are right. They, they, they don't have the liquid money. That's going to become a problem that we're going to talk about in just, a few minutes. But before that, on Friday, it was revealed that Frozen 2 would be available almost immediately on Disney+. Plus. It was available over this weekend. And also Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker was made available on for on iTunes and any place you can buy movies. So, th I mean, this isn't like a huge turn in, in how things are because I think Rise of Skywalker was a couple weeks out and Frozen 2, uh, I mean, it was a few months out. So, I mean, so that that is uh, pretty cool because there's a lot of people that were, are stuck at home with nothing to watch, even with all these streaming services. Uh, did, did either of you watch Frozen 2 or Rise of Skywalker over the weekend? Not me. Not you. Uh, no. No, uh, I did watch uh, Rise of Skywalker, and uh, I I'll talk about this on the Water Cooler later this week, but Rise of Skywalker comes with this two-hour behind-the-scenes documentary, which is fantastic. I think even Chris, even you, who hated this movie, would enjoy this uh, behind-the-scenes documentary. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm definitely curious to check that out. Yeah, it it's really well done. It's It intercuts behind-the-scenes footage from the original trilogy with the same kind of like them encountering the same kind of trials and tribulations while making this movie. So it, it's, it's, it's cleverly edited. So I uh, check that out. That's available on iTunes. We do everywhere you can possibly get stuff. Uh, so that brings us to something. So no one's going to the theaters. Uh, <laughs> the theaters are getting shut down anyways. Uh, there be uh, the amount of people going is limited besides that like it seems like the studios are push either pushing movies back you know no one knows what to do uh and there's a potential game-changing decision that was just made today ben tell us about it yes so nbc universal is taking a unprecedented step here they have basically said that they're going to be making its current movies from the universal pictures and focus features uh slates available almost immediately 
on demand at the same time as they hit theaters. So the only upcoming movie that they have um, sort of like 100% confirmed that this is going to be the case for is Trolls World Tour, which comes out on April 10th. Um, I guess it's going to be rolled out day and date uh, in international markets as well. Um, the plan is for movies like this to be made for a 48, uh, made available for a 48 hour rental period at a suggested retail price of 1999 in the U S and the price equivalent in international markets. And then movies that are currently in theaters from underneath like the NBC universal umbrella, uh, like the hunt and the invisible man and Emma are also going to be available to stream on you know, on-demand platforms and stuff. And that will be happening as early as this Friday, March 20th. So uh, yeah, this is a, a very, very big deal because for the better part of the past decade, there have been lots of conversations in Hollywood about shortening the theatrical window. Um, so the movie uh, theaters and, and studios have been really sort of fighting to preserve this extended theatrical window where uh, movies basically there, there's a big gap between when a movie leaves the theaters and when it's available for in-home viewing there we've talked about this on the podcast before but you know years and years ago companies like time warner cable and uh, napster founder um, sean parker's the screening room have tried to introduce these different ways of of doing things where like uh, people could pay as much as $50 to watch a recently released theatrical movie at home. Um, but those never really took off because, like I said, the theaters and, and the studios could never really see eye to eye on exactly how to change the, you know, the, that would be a big paradigm shift between what we have right now. But it looks like the coronavirus has sort of forced studios' hand because, as we talked about, the box office is terrible and it seems like uh, things are, are very, very bad for the entertainment industry right now. So it looks like NBC universal is the only studio right now, or the first studio anyway, to sort of like jump into the deep end on this and embrace this new method and really try to stop, like stop the bleeding and, and the losses for what this company could experience. If they weren't to do something like this. So I, I think, you know, it's an unprecedented step. It's, it's an unconventional step. Um, I, I really wonder how many other theaters are going to follow in their footsteps and, and do something similar. Um, it seems like once the floodgates have been opened, it's going to be really, really tough for other studios to just sit back and, and lose out on that revenue. Um, especially if they're watching universal sort of, uh, you know, make money while, while everybody else is like sitting on the sidelines. I don't, I don't really see that happening. Uh, and then also, obviously, like, the biggest question here is like, let's pretend that uh, let's imagine a, a better world where the coronavirus scenario, you know, is uh, is minimized and, and we do start to go back to some sense of normal life in, you know, a couple months or something like that. What happens then? Like, is this going to be uh, are the studios going to be able to rescind these new methods and, and return to the old ways or? Is this something where, uh, you know, the entire industry has changed forever because of this? And, and once people get a taste of it, they're not going to accept how things used to be. Yeah. Th these are this is how cultural shifts in our world happen, like with big events like this. And, you know, the movie theaters are down and out like you know amc is trying to liquefy their fun they have they don't have any funds to continue operating if this goes for an extended period of time they could you know declare bankruptcy and i'm sure 
at some point there's going to the government's going to there's going to have to be some kind of bailouts and stuff like that because our economy is just going to whatever. Anyways, this isn't an economy podcast, uh, but this is to say that the movie theaters are in a very bad spot right now. And I, I really think like, on one hand, you know, I have a friend who hasn't seen uh, The Invisible Man and he, I, he texted me and said, oh, my God, I can finally get to see this. Like, you know, I don't people don't want to go out of their houses and they don't want to go to the movie theater where there's going to be gatherings of, you know, now the White House very well we were on the podcast said that they are now uh, advising everyone to avoid gatherings of 10 people or more. So, uh, like, you know, that that that's, you know, the 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 limit of 50 is is well above that. Uh, the it, it's it's interesting. It's like, will. Chris, I know you are notoriously you you are a cinephile. You you are one of the few cinephiles that I think hates movie theaters. Like usually when you find a film fanatic, they they have a love for the cinema and actually like sitting in the seats and eating popcorns and watching a movie with other people. But you you kind of hate that whole thing, right? Um, uh, you know, to clarify, I don't hate the big screen experience if i could go to a movie theater and be the only person in that theater <laughs> i would love it but it's other people i hate i because you know uh, i don't know where what the theatrical experience is you know for you out there dear listeners but when i go to the movies nine times out of ten it's a terrible experience because people don't put their phones away and they don't now understand the concept of both not talking at, or even like indoor voices or whispering. They just talk like full volume. It's awful. It's an awful experience. It's distracting and it's kind of ruined the theatrical experience for me. Um, you know, it, if, you know, I, I, I will say I, you know, I, in the years uh, since, you know, my anti-theater stance, I've experienced the, the, the Alamo draft house when I've been to uh, Austin and those those are great because the, the you know the audience actually takes that no talking rule seriously and you know so if all theaters could implement that i would probably go back to loving the theatrical experience but i don't see that happening so are you excited now that you know for the foreseeable future we're going to be getting films that are theatrical going i mean not all movie studios have done uh, have made this decision it's only universal at this point but i I have a feeling by the time I upload this podcast, we might even get another studio. Like it's it's a domino effect that's just going to happen. Like I was listening to a podcast last night. Uh, I know I'm going all over the place here, but I, I was listening to a podcast last night that was recorded on Thursday of last week, and it was baffling. He, hearing like just something recorded a few days ago, how wrong and how misguided the, the what people were saying. And this is like a theme park podcast. So, so I'm sure like you're probably listening to what we are saying right now at home. And it's a few hours later. And, uh, you know, every studio has decided <laughs> to take the stance. <laughs> but uh, like, does this excite you or does this, does this at all make you sad that this could be the end of the theatrical experience, Chris? You know, it, it's tough because, like, you know, from a selfish standpoint, I am fine with this. I'd be fine if every – I've said this before – if every damn movie came right to, you know, uh, VOD. But at the same time, I also know, you know, the theatrical experience is sacred for some people. And there is, in the right situation, something magical about it. So 
I would be sad if the theatrical experience vanished completely, but I, I don't really know what's going to happen here. I do, you know, I feel like this is a Pandora's box situation where once you've, you've opened this gate, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be very hard to close it again. It's going to be very hard to go back. And I know, you know, universal was like, Oh, this is only for these movies. And we're, we're not, we're not talking about the future here, but you know, I don't know. <laughs> what's going to happen with anything like is this our like i i feel like no one wants to say this but it's yeah. like i'm i i have this concern that this is like just the new normal like we're this is what our life our lives are going to just be like this for forever for now on and I, I don't know i feel like if that happens movies are like the last thing to worry about but i, yeah. I don't you know i don't know i don't know where we're going i just uh yeah. I, I hope it all works out in the end it should be. Oh, Chris, you mentioned something. Uh, sorry, real quick. Uh, you mentioned something that I didn't clarify when I was like running down the the information here. That um, the Hollywood Reporter basically says that uh, this simultaneous day and date release plan that uh, NBC Universal has announced is not a blanket policy for the entire 2020 release calendar for that studio, and that decisions regarding other titles um, and and the duration of this policy have not been made yet. So it does seem like something of a fluid situation. It could be something that they you know, pull the plug on relatively soon. But um, I would guess that they're going to keep this going for a little while because it seems, you know, unlikely that people are going to be going back to theaters and droves anytime soon. So anyway, I just wanted to make that clear because I didn't mention it earlier. Yeah, I just want to state because we we are, you know, we're, we're trying to we're joke around, be entertaining. And we're, we're talking about the future of movies like it is. A, an important thing but people are dying out there and it's like it, it it is a very serious topic this is a podcast that's about movies so you know anything we've said in the past anything we're saying in the future we're, we're trying to keep this about the entertainment industry and like focus on that so i, I don't want to seem like that we're being flippant in like being so concerned about the future of a, a movie theater over our lives or anything like that because we aren't just this is what you know the topic that we're talking about uh so so, sure. ben, so uh ben what, what do you think like do you think this will be a huge cultural shift in how movies are distributed i don't know man i'm, I'm really like i'm I, i'm torn about it because like chris i i really like the idea of uh you know, being able to pay a little bit extra and watch a movie at home if you don't have access to, especially for people, you know, I'm lucky, lucky enough to be in LA, in LA right now. And I have the arc light and, you know, good theaters near me where my theatrical experience, luckily, most of the time is not anything like the one that Chris described. <laughs> Sometimes it is. Um, but for people, so many people, um, this sounds like a, a pretty good thing. And it's it's kind of interesting, too, that it's NBC Universal that's making this jump first, because years and years ago, I think it was 2011, they tried to do this experiment with a Brett Ratner movie called Tower Heist, where they released it on demand three weeks after its theatrical release, and they were going to charge $60 for it. But the theaters basically revolted and said, you know, we're not going to show this movie at all in theaters if you're only going to put it on demand 
three weeks afterwards. So they had to basically pull the plug on it. But they said at the time something like, um, you know, this is just a delay in uh, the planned premium home video on demand experiment that we're working on. And that delay happened to take, you know, nine years, but they, they are first out of the gate in, in continuing that mission. And um, yes, it's under wildly different circumstances now. But I wonder if like there is something to the fact that, you know, it, it seems like they've been backed into a corner, but maybe this is something that Universal kind of wanted. I mean, not that they of course, they're losing a lot of money uh, in the theatrical experience end of this, but um if they've been looking for an excuse to introduce something like this, then, you know, they were presented with uh, a scenario that would allow them to do that. So I, re I really am just curious to see like what measures other studios take here. Like are other studios going to follow suit, but charge more money than what universal has laid out? Um, I don't know. What, what do you make of all this, Peter? Well, everybody is stuck in their homes and they want, something to watch and it, it like even though we have like these millions of tiles on netflix or whatever it's like it's hard to make any choices and so, something is new has an energy behind it that like is better th like for some reason i like i feel like people are more apt to click on like the new release over like the older tv show or film that is even more acclaimed than the new release because people want to find out what what the new thing is they want to be part of that conversation online uh I, i'm wondering you know i i like the movie the movie theater experience but i i also would love to be able to stay home and pay a little bit extra to to get a new release in my house but at the same time i'm wondering is that the beginning of the end like you know we we talked about disney disney's delayed most of their upcoming films for the next few weeks uh but the next like big big one is uh, Black Widow like what what is going to happen with that I don't think I think that's still in the period of time that people are going to be self quarantining and it's it's going to be like people are not going to be, be back in theaters at that point I could be wrong so what does Disney do with a, a, a Marvel release a, a release not not to dismiss like trolls but like you know Marvel are the best the biggest films right now and like what are they going to do with that like will they push that back or will they put that online for some kind of premium price? Could, could they put a, like a different tier on Disney plus? So I guess there's like a, they'd be Disney plus And then for like $20 more a month, you could pay for Disney plus plus extra plus <laughs> Disney plus. Extra. I mean, you're joking, but it, it, I mean, it's, we're living in a world where that is now a feasible thing. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's definitely a possibility. I don't, I'm sure there are people, you know, scrambling around, uh, I guess remotely now on Skype meetings where who work for Disney who are talking about that right now. Yeah. And then when you do that, you, you make piracy of these movies easier because you're putting out a high quality version that could be easily replicated and, will will studios make as much money in this method than they would theatrically i mean theatrically you know a movie ticket what does the average movie ticket cost nowadays i know it's much less than what we put, pay in los angeles it's probably like eight i think it's bucks, around ten dollars or bucks. something yeah um so in with that i think the studio ends up making roughly a little over half depending on you know how many people see in the first week and stuff like that so like if you were going to see a movie with your significant other, the the studio is probably making ten bucks off you, right? 
So, and there's probably some fees there. There's some exhibition fees. So it's probably less than that. They're probably making less than 10 bucks on you and your, your wife or friend going to the movies to see this. Now, if they put Black Widow up on, you know, iTunes or even Disney Plus and they charge you 20 bucks for it, they're making a significantly, um, a, a lot more, but actually they're also losing out on the, the eventual, you know, second cycle of the, the home release. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering, like, will, I guess my worry with this, my big worry is not that we're going to lose movie theaters. That that would be sad. But I think we're going to always have some big screens out there to see the biggest of, of films. My worry is that going in this direction could lower the budgets of what is capable in, you know, movie releases. Because, like, if piracy is that much easier and for higher quality and you're – Say you put a movie up up there for you know fifty bucks on opening weekend, that's a lot more than people normal you know kids, which are the vast majority of people going to the theaters now are, are younger. Uh, that's a lot more than they would normally pay to go to the theaters. Like so, will will the stu- yeah? I guess that's a question to you, Ben. It's like will the studios end up making less money by doing this than more? Man, I wish I knew like and Hollywood accounting is such a I mean, that that phrase alone has been turned into like a um, a sort of a, a catch all for like um, <laughs> or like a euphemism for, um, you know, people not cooking the books, but being creative with the numbers, um, because a lot of times that stuff is really, really difficult to track. And I think it's been that way on purpose. So the studios can sort of have an edge with each other. So I don't know if we're ever going to get like a, you know, a true accurate uh, breakdown of exactly how this is affecting these companies. I think we're just going to see maybe studios or, or companies start to close if this continues and, and they can't keep up and these, you know, this sort of new model doesn't work for them in the way that they're hoping it will. Um, I don't know. Like last week, we wrote an article basically saying that we didn't think that studios were going to were going to make this decision because of movies like Black Widow that have, you know, whatever, 100 plus million dollar budgets or like Mulan, for example. I think that costs like 200 million dollars for somebody like Disney to put that on Disney Plus without charging extra money. It just wouldn't make any sense for them because you know, they, they wouldn't get enough new subscribers off of that to justify the budget that had already been put into it. So I think they would have to charge a lot more. And I don't know how many people would be interested in paying for that. If it, if they, maybe they wouldn't put it on Disney plus, maybe they would just make those movies available. Um, you know, like NBC universal is doing right now where you can pay a premium price for it and then wait a little while and then it goes on Disney plus. I don't know. There are so many, we're in such like uncharted territory here. It's, it's tough to say what the, how everything is going to play out. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting for sure. I mean, just in our Slack channel alone, during the the recording of this podcast, like a story just hit Hollywood Reporter, uh, theorizing that Apple could look to acquire Disney amid the, they had a big stock drop drop. And this is what, you know, this is what analysts are talking about. So like the, not only is the distribution and stuff that could be hugely changed by this, but the, the the layout of the companies that release these things, you know, someone could be owning Disney, which is just insane. But uh, okay, 
uh, I think we've gone long enough on this podcast. Uh, you can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast, SlashFilm Daily, published every weekday on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. And rate and read this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you tomorrow. If the world doesn't end. <laughs>